Welcome, welcome. It is that time of the week. Happy Friday, happy Friday. This is your host, Joy Gitanga Dash Double. And you know that Dash is not my last name. It is the way that I get to have fun on the platform and also I get to hear if my husband did listen to the podcast because he's gonna tell me what's up with that dash. Let me remind you of the few things that we do here at Voice Imprint. Five things we wanna achieve together is to ignite your faith. We want to strengthen your prayer life. We wanna deepen your love for God. And we want you to walk with the confidence that God given you. But the ultimate goal at the end of this is for you to be an indomitable woman. So let's get to it as we are about to start. Welcome friends, welcome, good morning, good happy Friday. This is the day that the Lord has made. We will be glad and rejoice in it. Today is a very special day because I have another special guest, but not just another special guest. This is our first and only first October episode with the first male guest on our podcast so it is exciting because we get to invite our men and have support to come and speak about the issues and matter that impact not just women but family i'm excited about our guest and i'm going to introduce him in a few minutes but i want to first tell you about the importance of this topic is at the heart of mine not only because it affects me directly with uh, the issue of postpartum depression, but also a specific issue because it is affecting women globally. When I read this uh, story and I read about the overdose and the impact on women around the world, I was stunned. Why was I stunned? I was stunned because overdose, really? Hmm. Just that thought, I never knew I would have hopped into or knock into a wall that says overdose and see the impact that was behind that wall. So I'm really in awe, but also appreciative of uh, Mr. Jeff McQueen saying yes to come on this podcast to talk not only about issues that are affecting women and it's called accidental death but also the mental health impact. Mr. Jeff is uh, the executive director of Mental Health Associate Association of Nassau County. Nassau County is all up in New York, up in the north. And uh, the Mental Health Association of Nassau County is a nonprofit uh, membership organization dedicated to improve mental health in, our, in the community through advocacy, education, program development, and the delivery of direct service. Mental health is as important as physical health. I want you to take note of that because we think mental health, it's an invisible situation, a silent issue that get under that gets swept under the rug real quickly, but is as important as physical health. And the recover is possible. Mr. Jeff McQueen is, uh, as I said earlier, is the director of the executive director of the organization and is a combat veteran. So thank you for service, for your service to the country as well, uh, who has firsthand experience with multiple facets of recovery. Prior to this journey in recovery, he has experienced several institutions battling emotional distress, PTSD, and substance abuse. He has presented element, ele, uh, implementation technique throughout the county on topics such as personal growth and change, time management, or, and other recovery-based modality. 
He has learned from a variety of uh, adversities and obstacles throughout his recovery process and has embraced and has embraced these experiences as well as learn to use them to not just educate society, but to find purpose and empower in these experiences. As he lead the MHA association, C association, y'all, you know, you, you know me, right? People like when words are full, mouth a word, my tongue get twisted, but let's go. We got to keep going, right? As an executive, he takes a unique position and works for his staff to make sure that they are armed with the appropriate tools and knowledge to get the job done and support their community in becoming the healthiest community it can be. Underlining this, I had to put this underline because this, you got to hear this one. Holding the candle and fanning the flame of desire for recovery so that recovery isn't simply possible or problem, probable, but expected. We expect recovery. I love that. So welcome Welcome, Mr. Jaffer, to Voice Imprints. Good to have you. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Joy. It's an honor to be here. Thank you. Well, I want to start first with uh, my sigh, which mm -hmm. is overdose, really? Health, mental health. Can you help us connect the the relationship between mental health and overdose? Because as I was reading throughout the website, and I just um, and know that is international, I was stunned. I want to, so if I was stunned, there are probably somebody out there too who may not see it as a connection between mental health and overdose. Can you help us connect or um, talk about that, please? Sure, most definitely. I think that uh, one of the factors that are usually excluded from the topic around um, mental health diagnoses or when individuals are living with substance use disorder is the word trauma. I think that oftentimes we think about this chemical imbalance and with substance use, we think that most people may choose uh, to use substances and that maybe at some point they've crossed this invisible line of addiction and it's hard to come back from. But But I think the real conversation is what starts this? Where is the root cause of all this? And, mm -hmm. and, and we believe it to be trauma. We believe that all of these are symptoms or the effects of how trauma is exemplifying itself in the lives of our community. And so we can, we can choose to try to separate substance use disorder from a mental health diagnosis, but the fact is, is that they're one and the same. Mm -hmm. Both of these disease, diseases reside in the brain, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And 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 the the number one resident of trauma is the brain. You may have a mm -hmm. physical event happen to you, but mm -hmm. the, but you store the memory of that effect in the brain. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And so physically, you may get over the trauma. You could be hit by a car, and in weeks or months, you could be walking. Mm -hmm. Right. You could be mm -hmm. walking again and you might have a little limp. You may have none at all. But every time you get to the corner and you think about crossing the trauma of the incident, the car accident mm -hmm. affects you. And you have this hesitation about crossing the street yes, because you remember being hit by the car. Mm -hmm. And so physical trauma is is can be removed while mental trauma may not. Mm -hmm. Right. Or yes. not as easily removed. Let's say yes. that if mm -hmm. we do hold recovery open, mm -hmm. um, and so here we are uh, identifying that we have individuals within our community that oftentimes result to uh, substances as a means of coping, mm -hmm. not because they just want to get high, and not because they just um, decided that it was a good idea, but because they are inundated with thoughts and ideas that they choose to escape from mm -hmm. and they seek other means to get out of that. And oftentimes those means mean alcohol, 
Oftentimes those means mean uh, marijuana or, you know, cocaine or heroin or opioids, right? So we, mm -hmm. we will seek out uh, um, something that will affect our mind to help remove the trauma, help remove the feeling of what we're dealing with. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's kind of like seeking this invisible wall. I just want to disappear. I just want mm -hmm. what's going on inside my head, this pain, this mental anguish to go away. And so a lot of times drugs are the coping mechanisms that people use to be able to do so. Mm. And, and in doing so, we know that many drugs are actually physically addictive, particularly the ones that you are capable of overdosing on, right? And, mm -hmm. and the three families of that are, you know, opioids, alcohol, mm -hmm. and benzos. Those mm. three are very physically addictive and all three are capable of taking your life. You can't mm -hmm. over it. Right. Mm -hmm. And so um, because of that, people do cross this invisible line where they're, they're seeking to cope and, and the drugs are calling for them to use more. And then our, uh, our coping skills or our, uh, I'm, I'm lost for the word right now, but our ability to stay at the same level, right? right? Begins to heighten. We no longer, what used to work for us, mm -hmm. no longer works, right? Our immune system gets stronger. And so because of that, I need more. I need the stronger, the more to, and the I need stronger. I need to go up a little bit. So yeah. I need to dose it up. I need, mm -hmm. I need to dose it up. Because mm -hmm. on Monday, uh, one dose worked just fine. But by next Monday, I may need two doses, right? Yeah, in yeah. three months, I may need four doses. And then in a year, I may need to quadruple that. And mm -hmm. so we find ourselves, because of our immune systems getting stronger, mm -hmm. needing to uh, increase the amount that we use. And so mm -hmm. most people who drink or do drugs don't aren't using the same amount that they use the first time that they use that There's that, no consistency that yeah there. it's gotten heavier and it has heavier, increased yes. and as a mm -hmm. result of that we may um incidentally because we call it incidental death right like yes. overdose is the leading cause of accidental deaths mm -hmm. it's not anyone saying i want to die it's mm -hmm. someone saying i want to cope i and want to cope of what they use yeah now. oh wow and and I want to give our audience a, a, a little intro as well to these uh, conversation that we are having today is also connected to the overdose walk that is happening this week, October 7th in New York with, uh, uh, by the beach. And we're going to get to the location soon. But the connection of why we're talking about mental health and overdose is because I was uh, I was brought to the awareness of the overdose and I love how we how you help us connect uh, mental health and overdose the trauma the trauma the mental health I remember one time somebody's uh expressed this and say that our brain store uh, store memory of everything that have happened to us we do not have control of when it will flash back and how you spoke about the crossing that fine line, the invisible line that bring one to an overdose is really invisible. You you think, you know, I'm fine. I've been in a, in a car accident before. I've been uh, there. And you, you finish the physical therapy and you find yourself going to the place of like, oh, I thought I was already over this. So there's that invisible line. And and you also touch it really good on the, the different maybe substance that people that uh, can take and going level to level. But, and then uh, my question, my thoughts was, uh, when we talk about overdose, is it just these uh, substances that are stronger and stronger or can it be overdose uh, medication, drug, alcohol, or any of these things? Um, because there is a, a stigma or a misunderstanding. I had a misunderstanding that when we're talking about overdose, we're only talking about individuals that are taking marijuana or copio. Can you, um, can you 
talk a little bit about that, that the what we're talking about overdose. Yeah. Uh, so I know we touched you touch a little more on that no, no, earlier, no. but if I want you, us if to you were uh, a football player or if you're a senior citizen who may have fallen and broke your hip, um, if you are an individual who was wounded in everyday throes of life at work or whatever the case might be, and you have never had an encounter with addiction. In other words, you don't consider yourself to be in recovery, mm -hmm. right? You're not making mm -hmm. meetings or anything like that. You're completely unaware that you have this uh, ability to become addicted to any substance. Mm -hmm. And so the doctor prescribes you, um, you know, a, a, a pain med to help you get over what's going on, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And you may find yourself uh, beginning to use the pain med a little bit unorthodox to the way it was prescribed. Mm -hmm. The doctor tells you to take four a day and you, I'm really hurting this morning. I'm going to take two instead of one, right? Yeah. And, and so it's not uncommon for people to cross that invisible line and begin to abuse their medications. Now, mm -hmm. because of our system and, and the STOP program and our ability to know that addiction is real, we have some mechanisms in place that can prevent someone from going to their doctor or doctor shopping, mm -hmm. right, to be mm -hmm. able to get more meds. I got yeah, this yeah. doctor to give me some, but I overused it, so I'm going to go mm -hmm. to this doctor to give me some. Mm -hmm. Right. We have a, a mechanism called the stop program that will allow this doctor to see that, wait, you already had a prescription over in this area, you know, yeah. so we're not allowed to give it to you. Wow. So what ends up happening is that people will probably begin to seek illegal means to obtain the same drug. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. The problem with this is that while you were also getting something that was uh, developed in a lab, you're now maybe buying something that has different variables in it. Mm -hmm. And it may be laced or overly potentially laced with fentanyl, mm -hmm. right? Or xylazine, mm -hmm. mm -hmm. which are very strong and easy to overdose on. Mm -hmm. And like 70% of, uh, of our overdoses are fentanyl related. Wow. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. And I know we had an incident where there was a 15-year-old girl who was simply vaping, she probably thought she might have been vaping marijuana mm -hmm. or maybe just vaping tobacco, mm -hmm. but it was laced with fentanyl and she overdosed wow. because she didn't know what she was, what was in it. Right. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. we run risk when we go to a private market and we begin to purchase what we want mm -hmm. from the community versus getting it from doctors and from labs and, you know, the pharmacy, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Now we begin to run risk because mm -hmm. our street doctors and our street pharmacists are using, are trying to get a inexpensive way of getting the same amount of money for the regular drug. And mm -hmm. so because fentanyl is cheap, they will use fentanyl versus other opioids, right, that are safer. And you may be getting a bottle of, um, you know, oxycodone or something like that that you think um, you know, or Percocets that you think are regular, they look the same, but probably have a, a higher uh, percentage of fentanyl within them. And so you're using the dosages that you were used to using, unaware that what you're using is not the regular not stuff. The regular and that stuff. is fentanyl. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so people accidentally overdose because overdose. of that. You know? Because of that. Yeah. Uh, in the, in the scripture, there's that uh, passage that says, my people are dying for lack of knowledge. And as you were talking, I just felt that leaping in my spirit, lack of knowledge. You lack the individual, the lack knowledge of uh, what are you taking? Even in, in that trying to cross that invisible line or staying in that invisible line, as you listen, you may have a family member, you may have uh, a loved one who have experienced trauma who have experienced heartbreak you know let's talk you know heartbreak as simple as it sounds well that was just a heartbreak but the emotional impact that it leaves behind it creates chemical in the brain that the brain does not forget and uh, and to try to escape 
that pain, to try to escape that hurt. I just lost my dad. I lost my mom. I lost uh, my child. I'm so angry. These are not something that you can get over with medication, a substance or anything. That's the first step, right? To get the help to recover, to drink, to take the medicine and, and, and seek help. So I want us to, to talk about this accidental health, the uh, accidental death. As I was looking on the on the website and uh, searching, what grieved my heart the most was to see the majority of those that are walking are women, not just on the uh, on the MH on the Mental Health Association of Nassau County, but are being an international. I was talking with my sister. I say this this has impacted me touch my heart because it's international you would have thought you know me being from a foreign country I'm like man in America people are stressed <laughs> people are overly working and everything but to know that no this is an international issue and women are affected when we were talking earlier um, before the interview talk about can you let us know about this accidental death and the people like women are 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 they yeah. affected? Yeah, no, oh, most definitely. And and the rates are steadily climbing, right? So at the current moment, women make up one third, right, of, of overdoses in our country. Mm. But the scary part is, is that that number has increased by 230%. Mm. So what does that mean? That means if there was only one overdose, that means that this year there is 230. Wow. That's wow. what that means. If there was only one female overdose in 2022, then mm -hmm. that means in 2023, there mm -hmm. were 230. And I can assure you that there were far more than one overdose, right? As mm -hmm. it pertains to women in mm -hmm. our country. And so you can only imagine what that number looks like now. Mm -hmm. It's absolutely astronomical and stunning. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And this includes, um, you know, and, and the comorbidity of this includes so much. This is not just addiction and physical harm. We're talking about postmortem depression from mm -hmm. women who are having children. We're talking mm -hmm. about uh, injuries on the job, right? We're mm -hmm. talking about domestic violence. We're talking about the so many different traumas that the women in our community Mm -hmm. undertake from day after day after day and the means in which they choose to cope have been threatening their lives and, and taking them mm. yes how oh. all right i need to take a deep breath on this <laughs> because when when i when i first time met with you to talk um about this and i was reading on on the the statistic my first thought go like wait Women are cared human being, nurtured human being. They were created to be that nurturing women. If if they are becoming victim of accidental death and connecting this to mental health, stress and everything, my question was not for you, but for us all that are listening in this moment, is where is society going? Because if the human, the person that was created to nurture is feeling overwhelmed, is feeling overwhelmed and being overwhelmed, experiencing trauma, I think it's a it's an alert. There is a there's a uh a Indian, I believe, tradition belief up in the north in the Arctic nation that they they believe that to know when to go plead to the gods is to see the the uh what's the word the multiplication of uh, anything in life if for example the chickens are not producing eggs as they did if the whales are not giving any more birth to uh to to the to the little ones if their women in their community are not conceiving 
they took that as a sign as there is a serious problem we need to fix with the God. And to hear this as the woman who is created as one to nurture, she's crying out to humanity, I am hurting, save me. And fathers, husbands, men, as you are listening, I'm going to ask you the one commandment that we you have been charged with is love your wife. Love your wife. Love your daughter because she is emotionally drained, mentally charged, and all she needs is a simple love, a simple act of caring her. I wanted to add that there because the, she's being affected. And as she's being affected, no one is there to nurture us, to nurture children, to nurture you, yourself, as a leader who need to be out there doing the work that God gave you as a man. Mr. Jeff, your story, such a powerful story, yourself, as a, coming from a place as we we read from place of trauma to leadership. I want us to talk about your journey and the tips if you can give that created for you that shift. I want us to talk about that shift from trauma to leadership. How did that happen for you or how um, make it possible for the one? Yes. Well, I mean, I, I would be remiss if I didn't say that first to God be the glory, right? Uh, and but for the grace of God, there go I. So I think it's really important to know that I, I'm a strong believer in that God does nothing to me, that he does things for me. Um, and, and so that this journey and this path was pre-designed and that some things that I had gone through. So I believe that fire purges, right? Mm -hmm. And so that it required me to go through some things to arrive at a place where I would be able to do some things. Mm -hmm. um, and the journey in itself, um, uh, you know, I experienced trauma very early. You know, I grew up in uh, South Bronx, which is one of our uh, uh, very urban communities uh, where crime and and death and violence is, is no uh, misnomer. It's, it's not uncommon. It happens every day on every corner. Um, and this is what I grew up witnessing. And while I can paint the picture to everyone else that this was normal and that I was fine with it and that it's an everyday thing, uh, apparently my mind felt differently. Mm -hmm. um, and it also sought to escape it, right? And so I was I was diagnosed at the age of 12 with schizophrenia. Um, mm -hmm. And and I remember, uh, you know, hearing the voices and, and having the, the racing thoughts and the ideas and the paranoia and feeling that uh, I was a, apart from everyone else and everything else. I even thought that I was adopted. I didn't believe that my parents were my real parents mm -hmm. um, or that my brothers and sisters were my brothers and sisters. I thought that all of that was make-believe and that maybe I was adopted, um, even though I looked just like my dad, but I still thought <laughs> um, and And so uh, as I got older, I uh, moved into a world. So dealing with all the hospitalizations and institutions of them trying to medicate me and stabilize me and and get me to to be uh, normal, right? Mm -hmm. uh, I had that involved a lot of trips to Creedmoor Hospital in New York and uh, a lot of other hospitals and and dealing with uh, medications and all type of treatment plans, et cetera. Um, and then I began to seek out my own means of coping and that led to drugs uh, and alcohol, which I did for uh, quite a while. Um, but towards the end of the journey, um, I remember uh, having a treatment team and and I was kind of at the end of my ropes with it. And I was, I had really, I had already had two suicide attempts and I was already at that place where I decided I'm just, I'm over this. Like, this is too much and I'm not going to keep doing this. Um, apparently I shouldn't be here. That's how I felt. Right. And mm -hmm. that the world would be better without me. Mm -hmm. um, not only that, but I just really needed the noise in my head to stop, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. um, and I remember uh, 
having a treatment team and and it was an accident. Uh, I went for one team and the, the lady wasn't there and another lady walking, I started to do my normal, let's go ballistic and flip tables and, 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 you know, be the squeaky wheel. And uh, another lady walking down the hall said, what's going on here? What's, what's, what's happening? And, you know, they explained he's supposed to see so-and-so they're not here. And so he's angry. And she said, okay, um, I'll see him. Right. Mm-hmm. And um, she said, come on, young man, I'll, 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 I'll see you. And um, I was reluctant about that as well. Like, who are you? Like, what are you going to do for Right. Mm-hmm. And I went into her office and she did not get a file on me. She didn't go get the files to see what was going on with me or what my diagnosis was. She literally just sat me down in the office and was like, okay, so what do you want? Mm-hmm. And I was like, what do you mean? What do I want? And she said, mm-hmm. well, what do you want? Like you, you're coming here, you know, you're paying money to see us. What is the end result? What are you hoping that we can do for you? What do you want? Mm. And I said, I don't know what I want. And she said, oh, well, then why are you coming? You should have an idea of what you want from us. This Mm. is the way she was talking to me, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And she said, I don't want to know. Then then she says, all right, well, tell me who you are. She she said, tell me about you. Mm -hmm. And um, I started to go into my diagnosis. Right. Mm-hmm. She said, no, 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 no. I didn't ask what illnesses you have. Mm-hmm. I asked, who are you? You are not your illness. Mm-hmm. That's what mm-hmm. she told me. She said, you are not your illness. Mm-hmm. So tell mm-hmm. me who you are. You know, mm-hmm. you look pretty tall. Do you play basketball? Do you, you know, that's the way she started with me. Mm-hmm. And And for the first time, I had a conversation with someone. Mm-hmm. She wrote nothing down on paper. Mm-hmm. So she wasn't sitting there taking notes while we were talking. Mm -hmm. She leaned forward and looked me right in my eye the entire time. Mm -hmm. Periodically, she would laugh and tap my knee or something like that and and give me some physical contact that I felt nurturing and loving Mm -hmm. and and grounding, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And and then she was being very realistic with me, like, um, you know, we only got a a few minutes left. So if there's anything that you want to say, that you haven't said now would be a good time to say it because we got to wrap up. I can't sit here with you all day. Although you are very interesting. I look forward to seeing you again. Um, She said, I'm going to see if I can get you transferred over to me because I like talking to you. And Mm. I was like, I like talking to you too. Mm. You know, Mm -hmm. she said, well, I hope when you come back, you can tell me what you want. Mm -hmm. So I'll know what we can be doing to work towards changing your life. So if you want a car, a job, a, Tell me what it is that you want so we can Mm -hmm. begin to work towards that. Yes. You know, and that was the changing point in my life. And that was the opening of my recovery. And she said, you smell like weed. Are you using drugs? And I said, yeah, I use drugs. She said, well, if you want to get healthy, you might want to stop using drugs because that's only going to make what we're giving you worse. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. When we medicate you, we, we need to medicate you as you are. If you come in here high, then we're going to be medicating the high you. Mm. So when you're not high, the drugs are going to act differently. So mm-hmm. we need to be able to treat you without drugs. You think you can come back sober? Do you think you can possibly do that for me? And I said, I'll try. She said, okay. And then I'll try to help. Yes. You know? Yeah. And that's the way we she bargained with me throughout mm-hmm. the whole time of my treatment. To the mm-hmm. point I came back finally to her and I said, I haven't used it in a month. Mm-hmm. And she said, now let's look at your, she said, now let's do some blood work and see what we get. Mm-hmm. Right mm-hmm. now she was yeah. ready to do some tests. She said, all right, let's run some tests now. Let's mm-hmm. ask you some questions now and see what kind of answers we mm-hmm. get, mm-hmm. you know? And yes. so the treatment began to change into a plan of wellness, not a plan of treatment. A plan of wellness. Yes, a plan of wellness. You know, and, and so because of that, um, I, I fell in love with what she had done mm-hmm. for me and with me. I fell in and, love with her too. And, <laughs> I like that. And I began to 
talk to other people about it just mm -hmm. randomly, like I would be in a waiting room or something and be like, no, when you talk to your doctor, you need to talk about this and you need to ask that. And, and mm -hmm. they was like, Jeff, what did you say to them? And I said, nothing. I was just telling them what worked for me. And they said, well, they've been very hard to treat. And after talking to you, they seem to be very compliant. Mm -hmm. I said, well, I don't like that word compliant. That just means they agreed with what y'all settled on, mm -hmm. right? Because mm -hmm. treatment or wellness has to be shared. Mm -hmm. I'm the expert on me and you're the expert on the medicine. Let's come together yes. and figure out what could work. And that's what yes. we call it today. We mm -hmm. call that shared decision-making and shared mm -hmm. power. But mm -hmm. at the time that I was getting treatment, that wasn't a word. That wasn't part of the treatment arena. Uh, yes, you know you 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 got you got my heart fired up. You got, <laughs> so now you got um, my mind fired up. Yes. So I just decided to um that I found my passion here, and I said, you know what, I really want to spend my life um sharing my life with others, and hopefully being a conduit of wellness. And as mm -hmm. a result of it, I did it day after day after day, no expectations, no plans, and here we are. 21 years later, and I am the executive director of a not-for-profit organization that devotes its life to mm -hmm. holding the door of wellness open to its community. Wow, so powerful, so powerful. And that testimony, what I hear, again, there's that woman who shows up, right? We're talking about overdose, we're talking about mental health, and we're talking about women. And here is a woman show up and just sit down to yeah. talk with you. There is a, an expression in South Africa that says uh, uh, to see you as a human, see you mm -hmm. as you. And I think it's the Ubuntu to, that says, I see you, you see me, we see each other. So that expression, even using in the medical field, using in our daily life for recovery will help many people to see one another see me as uh, as a human see you as human and let's talk from there and that will bring life i love that and the other thing that i hear in your testimony i did a, a call out earlier about husbands love your wives now i'm about to do another call <clears throat> and this call is to mothers love your sons mm. okay Yes. Mothers love your sons because when you love your sons, they will be able to love their wife. How can a man know how to love their wives if they've never been loved? Think about that, women of God, as you are listening in. How are you loving your sons? Are you loving your sons in a way of showing your son uh, dictatorship? I am the ruler. I am the mother. I am the authority. It is going to reflect in them later. But when you love your sons, as uh, Mr. Jeff shared his testimony, this woman, this foreign, this stranger, loved him for him as a son. And and that's powerful. And you see the power that came through of healing and recovery and now the transformation. One of the vision, I'll say the vision actually the Lord gave me recently that's going to be of God imprint vision is to ignite the faith of one woman will raise a thousand more up. And Mr. Jeff just shows that and demonstrated in his story. Now you are that one person whose faith, whose uh, belief on healing and recovery against this, um, or I don't even know this big disease condition that is up against humanity, that one man, whose faith was ignited, whose love and passion to heal was ignited and now is impacting thousands of people. If we can only ignite one person's faith, we would do a whole lot. I wanna end our conversation with a last question. And this question is uh, has to do with Hebrews 12.1. It says that, for we do have a great cloud of witness supporting us, witnessing over us. Do you have any 
couple people, people that you will call great witnesses who maybe have transitioned to the other side because in the overdose walk, we also recognizing uh, the theme is gone but not forgotten. There are many that have gone already. They're not forgotten. But I want to highlight and just remember anyone in your life who may not, who may have gone but not due to overdose, but we want to remember them today of who are your cloud of witness. Yeah, so um, I think first and foremost, uh, because my mother and father are deceased, um, and I, my father was the perfect image of uh, how to love a woman, right? So much so that I aspired to be the man that my mother would love. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. um, I aspired that my father was an alcoholic, um, struggled with alcohol, but went to work, came home, paid the bills. Right. Mm -hmm. he, he figured it out. You know, mm -hmm. he, through his trauma, he figured it out. Um, never heard him raise his voice to my mother. Never seen him raise his hand to my mother. Uh, was always the perfect gentleman, you know. Mm -hmm. Uh, and so I aspired to be that. I wanted to be that man that my mother would love mm -hmm. because I felt that if I could be him, then I could I could provide love to the world. Like my, my father never met a stranger. Never met a he would talk to anyone, mm -hmm. literally anyone, right? Mm -hmm. Um and so my kids say that about me. I've never met a stranger. So apparently I did it, right? Because <laughs> I would talk to anyone. That's but, right. But, but what it is, is, is it more, it's more around being able to share my spirit with the world, mm -hmm. right? If, if I have this sense of healing, mm -hmm. then I need to embark upon uh, the world with it. And so when I meet people, I'm always seeking to share that sense of healing. That's where I'm coming from. I want to share my healing powers with you, right? Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. So to speak, my superpower, right? I want to share mm -hmm. it with you. Um, and so be, because of that, what we begin to discover is that along the way, I've, I've met a lot of people in the journey of my recovery who could not hold on and who have passed away. Mm -hmm. And so I don't do it for me, I do it because I want their cries to mm -hmm. be heard. Mm -hmm. I can't let their cries go on for nothing. And so mm -hmm. the, the walk gone but not forgotten is that. It's to mm -hmm. be able to let the world know that because we've lost people doesn't mean that they are forgotten, that we yes. have the ability to take what they were bringing to the world and share it with others. It doesn't mean that others have to pass. The The beautiful thing, and, and I don't know if this is the right way to say it, but this is the way it's on my heart. The beautiful thing about overdose is that it's actually preventable. Mm -hmm. This is not a cancer. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. This is yes. not something where you wake up and all of a sudden you go, oh my God, I got overdose. No, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. this is something we actually have the ability to prevent. Yes. And so it's, we have to awake mm -hmm. our community. Mm -hmm. We have to bring about a strong sense of advocacy and awareness to our community. Women are more likely to go to a doctor and report pain, mm -hmm. right? Doctors mm -hmm. are more likely to prescribe a woman opioids mm -hmm. than a man, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so we need to bring about this awareness to our community. We need to advocate for stricter and better laws in other words, if you're going to prescribe an opioid, be responsible to follow up and see how that person is doing yes. and not just assume that what they tell you is valid, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Be able to check the system and have a check and balance to yes. keep our community healthier, mm -hmm. right? Because mm -hmm. yes. we are a community that lives with big trauma. Mm -hmm. We have trauma. Yes. We are a traumatized society. Mm -hmm. And every day something happens to traumatize us more. And we think of it little. We look at something where there may be a mass shooting in Buffalo. Mm -hmm. And we think about the people in Buffalo. But we don't think about the people who saw it on the news. Mm -hmm. 
You don't think yes. about the millions of people who mm -hmm. saw it on the news and mm -hmm. who now have to go to a grocery store and are afraid yes. only because of what happened in Buffalo. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So true. So, so we true. have to have a sense of responsibility in the way we share information and mm -hmm. the way we care for a community mm -hmm. after we share that information mm -hmm. because yes. we're a traumatized society, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And we need to be loved and nurtured and cared for. Yes. and provided care right right so true people wow. need to be checked in on mm -hmm. and so this walk that we're having october 7th at jones beach field five is exactly that it's mm -hmm. not just to bring it's not just for people to come out and 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 connect with other people who have lost loved ones to overdose but it's to make sure that they understand that they might be gone but they mm -hmm. are, not, are forgotten. not forgotten. And we do this walk so that others can learn and understand and know that we love them, that we mm -hmm. care for them. We care for our community. And we want you to become part of this because mm -hmm. it takes a village. Yes. Right? Yes, and so if, if this one was able to do for thousands mm -hmm. and we can get this walk, mm -hmm. how many ones can ones we get can from we the get? walk? Yes. See? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. How many Powerful. ones can we get can we from get... the walk yes. to share yeah. their love and nurturing for mm -hmm. thousands? Mm -hmm. Because that's what it takes. Mm -hmm. It's that's going it to takes. take the community. Mm -hmm. Yes. It's it not a government problem. This is a community problem. Yes. Yes. One life at a time. One person, one, one person, person at, a at a time, and That's we're gonna right. do the change. It's it's beautiful. Can um, I'm gonna share that I created my page. Yes, I did. Okay. Right. <laughs> I go. created my page for the Good. fundraising. I already awesome. started, awesome. and uh, I was gonna connect with y'all and say I'm unable to go to Georgia, uh, to New York and walk with you, but I'm gonna walk here in Georgia. We appreciate it. So where I'm going to be walking, you. and uh, for those that are listening, you can go to give.classy.org forward slash God imprint, and you will be donating directly to the um, Gone But Not Forgotten walk that is happening Thank this so weekend, much. October, October. We can do this one life at a time. With your donation, you are supporting uh, those God have given the gift of uh, ministering, serving, and creating path for those that are in this condition. It may not be you right now. It may be somebody you know who need this. You may be somebody you connected to. As I always said, as women, we look good with our makeup. But when you open our heart, we may not look as good as our makeup. And then I found this quote on Facebook. Somebody said, Evil with makeup is still evil. So right. that saying, whatever hardship, trauma you're going through, makeup will not change it. So get help, get connected. You can go to see resources, go on, go on Google, Recovery Center. There are so many out there. But if you are in the Nassau uh, County, you can go to uh, MHNC. .org. Did I say it right? I keep MHANC.org. Yes, you can go there and connect with such amazing, amazing work that they're doing and get yourself help. Don't don't go when it's not your time. We want you to stay because there's still more of you to be what? To give to the world. So thank you again, Mr. Jeff, for saying yes, for talking to that stranger. <laughs> because if it was not for that, maybe we would not have you here today. But thank you for the work that you are doing and thank the support you. that you're giving our community and for supporting God Imprint as we are here today. So thank you very much. Thank you. I'm going to close us. I'm going to close us in prayer. Okay. Oh, loving Father, thank you so, so much for the grace. You have opened my eyes, Lord, to see how many ones you have strategically placed around the world that bring 
a thousand back to life. Thank you so much for this grace, Lord. And my prayer, Father God, is right now. You said you created both man and woman in your image. The world is hurting and crying and suffering. You probably know that better than I do. You probably see it more than I can even express it in this short period of time. But God, I want to ask you to heal through love each and every woman that is hearing right now, that you may hug them and let them feel love today so that they can love their sons and that their sons will be able to love their wives. And that cycle of love will continue. When a stranger is given love to another, it heals a whole community. So thank you for Mr. Jeff and the organization that he serve on and the many families, men and women whose life are impacted by it. We thank you for that stranger in that hospital, Lord, on that day. And that stranger being you. We thank you and we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, my friend, that was the end of that conversation. But let me tell you, it is not the end of us walking together toward healing, recovery, and the place where we experience love. Remember God imprints, we end with this. Wherever you go, leave the imprint of God's love. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not uh, want its own way. So take up on 1 Corinthians 13 and meditate on it. Learn what love is because love is needed at this time. We don't need one more, one gone accidentally. We need you to love on others. So stay blessed, stay connected. Until next time, we are here. Remember, leave the imprint of God's love wherever you are and find a church. Take care, brothers and sisters.